0: Hi, I'm Randolph Richardson. I am from the Canadian Atheists, and I took a left at the valley.
1: I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists, you know. We don't have non-astrologers and all that. But with the religious people taking over the world, I mean we can either speak up or be pushed into a
2: corner. I'm proud to an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel. heathen. I call it how I see it. I see
0: Coming at you from Bonkers Weather, BC, this is Left in the Valley. My name is Kevin, and I was fired from the sperm bank for saying, get a load off this guy. Hey. <laughs> oh Joining me as usual is a team that wonders if number two pencils are so popular, why is it still number two? Is it she wants to grow her own food but can't find bacon seeds Nancy I
2: can't find what? Bacon seeds Oh, okay. Oh, bacon seeds <laughs>
0: <laughs> And she has frog parking only All others will be towed <laughs> Kirsten, that's a classic
2: Yes, it is That's a beautiful classic
0: <laughs> Ladies, welcome back Hope you had a great week
2: It's been a pretty good week Good stuff
3: when the sun comes out, it will be a good week. It
0: is kind of grayish, isn't it?
3: It's been gray. Did yeah. you guys
0: get caught in that torrential downpour yesterday? No. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I
2: took my dog to the dog park yesterday. <laughs>
0: I was was at work in the middle of the yard, and we were trying to remove some equipment, and all of a sudden, it just fell, and I was so drenched
2: to the boat. I've been there. I've had to go and check off trucks in that rain. Trying to have paperwork and check off a truck in that is like...
0: I'm in sales. After that, I had a meeting with the city of Port Cook, so oh. like
3: oh, God. Well, we live in a strange, Abbotsford is strange in a lot of ways. But in Abbotsford, it can be raining like crazy in one part of town and not in the other. Mm. So it just depends on. We're in the Abbots. not part. The not part, yeah. Just we cool.
2: have like our own little ecosystem where yeah. we are. Yeah.
0: Yeah, sometimes you really wonder.
3: You know, um, like we actually do. <laughs>
0: yeah. So. so today we'll be talking to Janice Selby And she is the uh, one that's organizing the court uh, C-O-R-I-T 2020 um, program about religious trauma So we'll be talking to her in the second half of the show But first, let's do a chit-chat did you guys hear that your show right here, Left in the Valley, was nominated Woo-hoo! for the Canadian Atheist, Atheist Podcast of the Year?
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. That I feel just... so special.
0: Take yeah. that, Amy. No for you. No for you. Well, she
3: couldn't anyway because she's in the...
0: Yeah, Lower forty
3: eight. I don't care.
0: She's just well, how many nominations does she has. Boom, it, we're just one over her. Ha! Ah, you're not
3: going to cut her any slack. No, this regardless. is war. This is prank
0: war. I know. I'm not cutting her any slack. She's not cutting us slack.
2: <laughs> so this is. I think is, she's not cutting you any slack. Uh, so is, <laughs> Of
0: course. Well,
3: we, if I, only if it was with a real knife.
2: It's it's all. <laughs> it's all
0: in jest, of course. We love him when <laughs> they sleep. Uh, so this is the third annual a- Canadian atheist. Uh, the third annual the prize they are awarding the other nominees are the brainstorm podcast which we've been on. Uh-huh. We off. have yes, my um, shining moment left, left <laughs> in the valley, of course. Uh, uh, the um, life the universe and everything else, which has all I've also been on the show a long time ago. Now logic, which I'm I'm not familiar with, and the reality check, I'm also not familiar huh. with, and vice rhino. Um, this is quite the honor, I must admit. You know, because it you is. get some pretty heavy hitters there Brainstorm is pretty heavy Vice yeah. Rhino that's pretty heavy uh, it's like whew, okay <laughs> so the winners are going to be announced January 27th which is a Monday I and know they're going to start announcing the winners yeah, I don't know if they're gonna do what's it the date
3: to the 25th two uh, days yeah
0: th- This would be this coming Monday I know I'm oh so God. excited yeah so you know either way uh, it's probably I'm going to be humble as Canadian here it's probably a long shot for it to win but nonetheless the fact that hey, we're nominated we were nominated exactly, exactly. Yeah. so that's fantastic so that's That is looking great for us. Okay, moving on. Do um, you guys see? There's an article on BuzzFeed. There's a Dutch artist. Uh, uh, there, uh, It's a couple of guys, and they're called. It's a duo, Front 404. That's their artist name. And what they've been, uh, what they've done is they decorated security cameras with party hats oh. to celebrate the whole 110th <laughs> anniversary of George Orwell. Of course, George Orwell is best known for 1984 oh. book, 1984, which is a book on dystopian future, which you you pretty much watch by Big Brother. So the artist brings attention to how many cameras are actually watching us by putting little party hats on all the cameras. On and that's the only cameras.
2: the ones that they can put party hats on.
0: Exactly. Um, front 404 is actually a, a couple of guys named, uh, I'm going to massacre this, Thomas of War Hicke, I think, and Abbas van Orl, or Orl and we're doing Dutch and I probably massacred their mm-hmm. names. I apologize, but <laughs> anyway, I think it was very, very clever for them to do that. And
3: it was. It's just. It's a. It's a. It's a nice way to. I don't know whether you could say protest or not, but it's. It's a great way to do it, it because it's funny and it makes people think at the same time.
0: I love these artist stories. Yeah. You know, it's like that story. Remember that story we did? Uh, oh my god, probably a couple of years ago, where some Christian uh, started protesting LGBT and planted a cross, a Jesus cross, and they took the cross and broke the padlock, put their own padlock, and pinned the. Cross rainbow color, remember that one? Yeah, I, I love that kind of. That one. Don't remember
2: that? You no. don't remember
0: that? Oh my god! I think you, I thought you would, but I love that kind of artistic response. Uh-huh. The guy comes in with a cross, and just plants it and chains it up, right? Just to pro- because he's a Christian, and you know he's got to protest the case, right? I eat the sin but not the sinner kind of thing stupid nice of of theirs they they came in they broke his padlock put their padlock on the cross and painted the whole damn thing rainbow color
2: see boom that's that's the level of revenge I like yes because it doesn't it doesn't hurt anybody no
3: but it's just just that little bit of jab to just annoy them yeah, it's like the war between Canada and Denmark. That's the way to have a war. That is you the know, best is the way, way to do anything. This is the way to protest.
0: I yeah, know. absolutely.
3: Congratulations, guys. You've done good.
0: Well, speaking of people that hate the LGBTQ, um, here in Canada, the Conservative Party is, uh, is trying to find a new leader. And uh, the Canadian Conservative leader, Contender, uh, and... and uh, Richard De Carey, he he's also a man who stole his eyebrows from a turtle, apparently, <laughs> <laughs> says being gay is a choice. And the LGBTQ is a liberal term. Uh, uh, what's the conservative term for LGBTQ? You're just yucky? Jeez, come on, grow up, man. Okay,
2: I'm just going to shut them up right there. It is not a choice. <laughs> no,
0: of course not. And, and we all know this. And everybody has, like, two cents in their brain knows this, too. But you know, apparently the conservatives are still plowing this... Stupidness. Um, this is a guy who actually worked under Harper as chief of staff, um, I guess they haven't learned anything. There's, there's still, you know, s- some of these guys are still using the same kind of stupid Republican tactics we see in the States. And it doesn't work in Canada. And, you know, I don't think he's going to make it. I hope he doesn't make it.
2: Um, Clearly, they need a workshop on things they can control and things they can't.
0: Yes. Yes. Now, Nancy knows this because she was probably one of the founders of this. Uh, <laughs> the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists moved the doomsday clock. Remember uh-huh. when you worked on a doomsday clock, Nancy? I do. Uh, 100 seconds to midnight. Now, this is the closest it's ever been. Now, this is, of course, the doomsday clock is a metaphor, right? Uh, yeah. It's not like when it hits midnight... All hell breaks I feel it.
2: like I heard about it a long, long time ago, but it's kind of fuzzy.
0: Oh, it's because it's been around for quite a while. Uh, they're, they're a non-profit group of scientists and security experts, and uh, the clock has been around for 75 years. It started in 1947, after World War II. Um, and what they do is, these they, whenever the, the security experts and the scientists feel that we're moving dangerously close to... Some form of Armageddon, you know, some you know, some disaster that could really be really, really harmful for mankind, they move it closer to midnight. And when we reach a bit more peaceful times, they move it away, right? Um, because of the U.S. and Russia pulling out of the uh, inter, in, Intermediate-Range Nuclear um, Treaty, which is a, a Cold War pact, which is something they just they both did in 2019, they moved the clock. That close. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Both Russia and the U.S. started testing new weapons of uh, new nuclear weapons as soon as they started. They stopped this treaty. So this is what's happening right now. Oh boy. And then of course there was a U.S. uh, Iran um, problem, uh, which of course helped make their decision to move close as well. You add on top of that climate change. Boom. And now all of a sudden this is why we're so close to a big big catastrophe. That's Um, concerning. Yeah. In 1947, when they, they invented the clock, they set the clock seven minutes to midnight. Uh, by 1953, the U.S. Uh, US terrorism—oh, uh, jeez. No, no, sorry, sorry. The U.S. were testing uh, uh, thermonuclear bombs, and, and they basically moved the, the clock to two minutes to midnight. By the end of the Cold War, they moved it back to 17 minutes to midnight. Now, of course, when Trump came in and he, oh. he started having some spats with North Korea, they moved back to two minutes. So you see Trump and North Korea, and then you see uh, the U.S. with Iran, and you see uh, Russia in the U.S. Uh, you starting to see a pattern? Uh, yeah, I'm starting to see a, a U.S. pattern here. Yeah. Um, so, of course, like I said, the clock is a metaphor, and it's a symbol for people to understand these political times and where we actually are, because it's very easy to just get lost in the, in the, in the babble. Of how serious some situations can be, yeah. or how they cannot be.
3: But when you, you p- are you opt- are you are you optimistic or pessimistic, or are you wavering back and forth depending on the day? I think at this point uh, I'm I'm hope usually
0: optimistic. <laughs> I usually think that as a spe- I'm, you know what, as a species, I think that you know I I like to take the um, remember the ozone layer. Yeah. You
2: know,
0: when. The ozone layer was a a very good example of how we can actually come together and Mm -hmm. solve the problem. And we did that. And I think we can use that kind of mentality for anything. When World War II happened, they turned factories in six months in the States from making cars to making tanks. We can solve these issues. There's just no political will. But there is the people's will behind it. And the people eventually always win over the political will. It just depends how... Unfortunately, we're more of a reactive species than a proactive species, so unfortunately, it takes time until it affects you personally. People don't seem to give a rat's ass. Oh, it's
2: it so affects, annoying.
0: Oh, it's, a, it's extremely annoying. It seems like there's a lack of empathy. People, they, they don't say anything about a subject until boom, their pocketbook is hit personally, or it affects them personally. Then they get up, and th- this is this is that zone where people like Trump play. Yeah, and I
2: mean. With going back to the doomsday clock here, having that representation of it being, like, midnight is, like, hell. Yeah. Having that representation of, like, guys, we're getting dangerously close to this is just, like, we'll have some more impact, I think, on people.
0: Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it's going to take, I mean, whether it's Trump or any dictator like that, they always eventually meet their end. Why and when? When people eventually get off the couch and say, I had enough of this. Yeah. But it's, it's how long it takes for that. When people are, it's like there's a, there's a wonderful meme that says, you know, I oh I'd, I'd vote, I'd get up and vote, but I'm too comfortable to do so right now. And it's true. And when people are comfortable and they have, you know, they have to, they can watch their show and they don't have to worry about losing their job in the next day or something like that. Yeah, they don't do anything about it. When yeah. it starts to affect them personally, then they get up. And then at that point, all hell breaks loose. And
2: I think part of that too is that it's not just that they're comfortable; they're comfortable with the here and now rather than doing something now. For their, for a longer lasting comfort yeah. down the road,
0: yeah, yeah. Like I said, we're reactive as a species. We're not proactive. We're not. Unfortunately, would you think would our intelligence would be able to be able to, to 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 see that it works in our benefit to help future generations? We just don't do that.
3: I think there are less people who are comfortable at this point, and, and unfortunately, I think those people who are uncomfortable still. T- I'm talking about the states, not worldwide i saw it's very specific, but I think even people who are uncomfortable tend, in many cases, to vote against their best interest because they really don't understand the basis of their discomfort. They're still thinking their discomfort is due to um, to to other the other, yeah. not not. To people who are taking advantage of them, you know, because of economics or whatever, but because of the other, and then they stay in a state of discomfort because of that, and so then it's immigration and other things, so I don't know, I'm, I'm an extremely optimistic person, but I'm... Really, really scared at this yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. at this point because it, it even though the United States has the ability, the people have the ability in any country to right themselves. You know, under the right kinds of circumstances mm-hmm. and administration, the damage that can be done at this point versus the damage that could have been done, say, two, three hundred years ago, yeah. is global yeah. and and it takes longer. To overcome, so I don't know. It's, I hate to get that pessimistic no. this early in the morning, but um, it's you're also it, being a little we're bit in realistic. Times, yeah, we're living in in really unprecedented time i think maybe every generation says that yeah. because of the progress that you make from generation to generation yeah but it it is technology in technology and in terms of people's um diversities and mm-hmm. and wanting to get into their own tribe rather than work closely together it's, it's yeah a, it's i think that's a difficult that's- time
2: the fact that humans are kind of herd animals and pack animals and yeah. bunch together kind of works against us in times yeah. like this, Yeah. because they're sometimes, I think, too inclined to just go with the flow and go with what everyone else says, rather than stop and think for themselves yeah. and be like, do I really agree with this? Is this really what I'm thinking, or is yeah. this what everyone's telling but me to also, think? Also, yeah.
0: uh, pertaining to the conversation we had before we started the recording there, I, we have to remember that the, the threats today are different yeah like a hundred years ago, the idea of like all of Europe going to war was a reality yeah the the uh the idea of all Europe going to war today is unlikely, extremely unlikely. Or a world war, extremely unlikely. But the threats are, are elsewhere. The threats are economic slavery. The threats are environmental disasters before it's too late. Those are the different kind of threats. They evolve. We, we have a lot, of, oh, uh, a lot of people that are in positions of power that still think very old school. They think, you know, oh, well, this army is going to come invade me. No, that's, the, the threat of an army invading you is not the threat. The threat is Mother Nature coming at you because you've polluted too much. And these are, these are enemies we're not prepared for. And I think I think this is where the young the younger generation is, is trying to scream, we need to do something about this. And the older generations that are in power are just not listening because they're stuck in a mentality that is obsolete, for for lack of a better word. Yeah. So, anyway, that's my two cents.
2: Yeah, good two cents.
0: Good two cents. Yep. And if I penny for your thought, I can still have a penny change. <laughs> <laughs> Moving Sorry, on. My...
3: Now I'm so much more optimistic than I was before. <laughs> and we can probably talk about this all day. My
0: dear Nancy, you got a top 10 for us?
3: I sure do. This is, um, well, they're all different. I'm tired of saying this is a different one. But I think this is an interesting one. Um, In a way, it has a little bit to do with what we're talking about. Uh, Sort of on the fringe. But um, as as progress, if you want to call it progress, um, develops, Mm -hmm. there are always certain things that are sacrificed as things get um more futuristic and more technological so this is a list of 10 jobs that are going to be redundant they're going to disappear Ooh, so now I don't know good for me to know yeah I <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know whether or not you're going to agree with all of these or not, but it's interesting. You know, it's like typewriter repairman. You know, the, yeah. used to used to be a lot of typewriter and TV repairmen. They're gone. So this That's is true. kind of in that same. So,
0: same so I think this is good for the, the younger members of our audience to take note because if they, these these are jobs that disappear in the future, don't align yourself in that kind of career path.
2: Yeah, so. and if you're in that. I mean, Learn how to apply those skills elsewhere. Yeah, maybe, yeah. It's, maybe it's time to start looking somewhere else.
3: Okay, so I, I didn't. this is like endangered species of jobs. The, there are 10 of them, and they're really in no particular order because there's no telling what's going to happen. Sure. But the first that I thought was interesting, um, drivers. Yes. It, they'll probably still be driving, but the writing is on the wall um, because there's a lot of resources being dedicated to hand the wheel over to automation. Yes. Yeah.
0: Now, let, let's be specific here. When they say, i d I've being a driver myself, I do have my, my CDL for the Americans or my Class 1 for Canadians here. And my, uh, I can't drive at pretty much anything on the road, actually. Uh, I think when they talk about, they talk about transport, transport of goods. I mean, if you're driving, for example, a specialized piece of equipment, I don't think that's going to be automated for quite a while. But if you're just driving like a semi from point A to point B, yes, that's on the line. They've actually tested the robot do that in the States. I think it was in Oregon. 200 miles from point A to point B. They, they did. Come, I remember did. that. And it went completely smooth. So this is right around the corner.
3: Well, what are they going to do I mean, up here? What are they going to do about... It? Uh, transporting goods in the wintertime on, on the ice roads do you think that's still going to be well I
0: think it's going to be a bit more complex uh, yeah. machinery and AI but I also think there's another uh, thing like that you can improve the, uh, the, the truck and the transport but you can also improve the road I yeah. mean the heated, well, yeah. the heated highways are around the corner too Mm-hmm. Right, so all of a sudden, if you got heated I, highways and yeah. you got like minus twenty temperature, but you still have smooth asphalt,
3: and, yeah. and you might be able to just send it automated on whatever road and, there is where you don't need the need a driver. Exactly. Yeah, and
2: if they evolve it to the point where they don't need drivers, they can redesign the entire vehicle. Exactly. Yeah. To not needing a driver, and I saw. Speaking of heated highways, there was this coolest thing I saw. It was like they replaced the roads with these little tiles, mm. and the way they were designed was they had lights, and they could notify you if there was, say, a deer on the road up yes, ahead, like yes. all of those they kept things like kept snow from sticking. they the solar highway. yeah, yeah, it was the coolest thing. I'm like, they need to do this
0: Rep- oh yeah, I, 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 I totally I, I could totally see that coming, you know they replaced the asphalt with solar panels yeah and LED lights. so you can press a button on the side of the road and also the sidewalk in LED appears. Or you can just write Ooh, messages on the cool. computer, slow down 50 kilometers, slow down, change the lanes. I mean... You know, because all of a sudden there's a traffic accident or something. You can change yeah. the lanes. Like, it pull. can... All in LD. Yeah. LED. Yeah. interesting.
2: I mean, I think they should put little reflective flecks of paint in the center lines. Or, reflective oh, if you have all the
0: lights underneath so you, you don't even see. need to put them. But, lights. yeah, like... You could just program it. I mean, that's something they could do now as the little... The only problem apparently they had is the fact that you have solar panels. They need to find a transparent, rough texture on top because solar panels are too smooth to drive on. You'd you'd break and you would just slide.
2: This was a long time ago. It wasn't solar panels. It was something else. It was a couple, I think, in Sweden that designed it. Mm -hmm.
3: But anyways. Number two. (laughs) Farmers. Oh. Over the next 10 years, we're talking about they're not going to disappear over the weekend, but next 10 years, but the um the role is going to diminish they're not gonna I don't think they're gonna to totally disappear no. but at one time there were a lot of farmers but now there are two million across the country mm. and wow. it's shrinking technology is making it easier for fewer people to produce okay yeah more yield
0: just 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 like the, and
3: so the, the lab growing is gonna per- perhaps take Yeah. and, your and role.
0: just <laughs> like the just like the automatic trucks before we said you know you can have an automatic robot combine. You know, it's plowing your field by itself. You know, you don't need to be behind the wheel. You just find the laptop and boop, you get it done.
2: Being in a self-driving car is the weirdest feeling. I will have you know. I'm sure it is. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Anyway, number three. This is interesting. Postal workers. Yeah, Ooh. number oh, of yeah. postal workers is dwindling. Um, private companies such as UPS, FedEx, taking on more of the burden. Um, but it's technology. Um, mail carriers can deliver an email. You know. Um, yeah, who, a, who, who It's a, a mail be, system. And if, if you're sending a package, so it's drums. going to become more automated you Think you think there's still well. I mean,
0: like I said, postal... who, who sends the letters these days, right? All your bills are going to come in the mail as email, the... all your messages are email.
3: Yeah,
2: and if you're sending a package, like I said, you can drones. Yeah, yeah.
3: in America, in the U.S., postal workers have been pegged Amer- as America's fastest disappearing job. Oof. Ooh. Yeah, interesting. Uh, number four. And you were talking about uh, earlier about you—you never really get disturbed about anything unless it affects you personally. Uh-oh. Broadcasters. Oh, oh. oh. <laughs> okay. Here we go. And it, so it's used the place to be. With the, uh, yeah. PG Five thousand. <laughs> many people have already labeled broadcast journalism as dead. Believe it or not, yeah. um, but that's another industry that's not going to disappear completely. But it's shrinking. Um, and uh, they're competitive, a lot of them. So uh, we don't know whether broadcast reporting is going to be replaced by social media or, you know, well, so that you don't have the networks. You just... I think Yeah, I think it
2: might evolve. We, we are a bit a part of the problem
0: right here, right? I mean, we're, we're not professional broadcasters, but here we are broadcasting. We're doing uh-huh. almost kind of news as well. So, I mean, anybody when there's studios now can... Do that with a minimum of equipment.
3: But I think so. podcasting is going you think podcasting is gonna be one of the things that's gonna take over for network broadcasting? No, I don't think it'll yeah. ever grow
0: big enough to take over, but I think it's it's gonna be one of the uh, one of the many cuts that's gonna make yeah. it bleed to death.
3: It's interesting, but the networks are, you know well, definitely Evolving and changing. At yeah,
0: this point. and you know, so to to some to some extent, it's not not that bad of an idea I think, because some of these networks that today, especially in the states, it's just there for money. Yeah. You know, can you really trust any of the news networks anymore? No, I don't right. know.
3: Number five, jewelry making. Ooh. yeah it's interesting um mostly it's due yeah, to globalization thinking. so there'll always be local jewelers but most jewelry manufacturing has moved overseas to contain costs and you um, don't there there used to be a lot of jewelers um, but there were four hundred thousand in terms of 2014 wow. and that number set to dro- drop by 11 percent in 2024 wow. So I think local because artisans are always yeah. going to be with us. But this is like this is know, like this. Yeah, exactly, hm. exactly. Number six. I don't know. This has been in the uh, in the news every every now and then. Fishermen mm. have, and the plight that they have. Yeah, uh, they face a lot of. Threats on a lot of fronts. Technology, um, import of uh, farm raised fish is becoming more popular, cheaper, the issue of overfishing. Um, so the the fishermen are really struggling. And, you know, those are families that have been fishermen for generations. Yeah. They're having a hard time all over the world, not just... Not well, just, just,
0: just like the truck, you know, why, why would you have robot boats? Why would you have that, right? Yeah. Mean, you have one guy piloting a boat that normally instead of the crew of 10, you have one guy.
3: Yeah. Number seven, printers and publishers. Oh, in the old-fashioned sense. Okay. Yeah, it's an endangered industry because there's a lot of self-publishing yeah. at this point and a lot of e-books um, and people are are publishing things on, on their own. Um, I think there'll always be books that are published, periodicals will be published, but people who have been trained in the old ways of producing them are likely to find themselves out of a job.
0: This kind of scares me because if everybody starts to self-publish, you'll have a lot of self-published nonsense published yeah. all over the place. And that kind of scares me because people have a tendency that because of the way we grew up, especially in school, if you watch something on television, they say, well, it could be fake news. Well, when people open a book they usually take it as gospel because mm-hmm. that's what you did in school. You were taught from books. But if it's a book of nonsense, are they going to be able to see through it?
2: Actually, I'm pretty sure at some point I had to teacher disagree with the book. With the textbook. Well, yeah. hmm. there's nothing quite wrong with that either. Well, I mean, when you look at if you look at it's an older textbook that, you're, that you might be using that's, you know, been out for a few years.
3: Yeah. Well, that brings up a whole other conversation about textbooks that are uh, that are driven from Texas. Yeah, you know, we're and, like we're that's a new, that's a whole that's other. A that's we're, a whole other, other subject there. Number eight, cashiers. What? Oh yeah, it's clear to anybody who's been in a grocery store or what? in a big box chain. Even at McDonald's. Yeah, because the cashiers are now giving way to self checkouts. So, and the self checkouts. Um, I read uh, fairly recently that self-checkout is going to be replaced by a different kind of, of um, uh, payment system. So that's evolving However, very quickly. there is a
0: backlash to that, especially here in Canada. I'm not sure about the stats in the States, but I know here in Canada, a lot of people avoid these self-checkout because they're killing jobs. And it's, actually, it's an actual movement, too.
2: Yeah, I've heard about that
0: too. So that's interesting.
3: And some of them, especially for older people who are used to to cashiers doing everything, when you look at the screen and you've got to check this and you've got to check that, and this one will, this machine will take money, that one only takes credit cards. It's it's a chore, you know, for, for people to have to have to do it. And people with disabilities find it very difficult to go through, you know, self checkouts. I just and like I to mean, be
0: chatty with the cashier. Yeah, yeah,
3: exactly.
2: And like I like to not have to do all the work.
0: And I love that, especially when you go to a place like Superstore and they offer you that little thing at the checkout there, that little, that little impulse buys. Oh, their deal the way, of the week. Their deal of the week is this, and I always tell them, "Oh, I love saying no to that."
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, but it it uh, it'll be interesting. I think I think that's a rapidly evolving. Um, think, of course, it costs the stores a lot of money to switch from one to the other, so I don't think by next month there's going to be a lot of differences, but the next we're talking the next five ten years there in, would, it would be different even
2: in the last like three years, I've seen a lot of the self checkouts yeah. been coming out yeah. more
3: number nine delivery. And um, d- d- we've seen uh, uh, drivers and, and postal workers; uh, those they have a primary function. Mm-hmm. So delivering things is going to change. I don't know whether it's going to be because of um, uh, um, drones or, or or different ways of delivery. But um, the clock is ticking on on those jobs. I don't know. I what do you think about delivery? I'm kind of Iffy on whether or not delivery. If you live in a big city like New York, Chicago, Toronto, um, people still expect personal delivery of their uh, of their um, um, uh, cleanings. You know, if you, instead of having to go to the cleaners, the cleaner still delivers. You no, pizza still comes in. Yeah. So I don't know. But
2: I could see how this could all easily be replaced by, like, drones uh, or something no, like that I mean, with, dude. like, improved technology.
0: Some pizza places are testing right now. Some self-driving cars that kind of yeah. have a bit of a, a warm kind of oven thing where your pizza is. It arrives at your door, and you basically walk out, open the door, and take your pizza out. And yeah. You, have your, you don't yeah. even have, have to it.
3: see. I'm kind of You basically I'm have thinking. to
0: make the 20 steps that the pizza delivery guy would have to make to yeah. you know, your friend.
3: house yeah, I guess I mean, the rob- robots really in some way. But I don't, I don't, anyway, number 10, travel agents. Hmm, yes. Because Kayak, Priceline, Hotwire, all of those are are uh, yeah. taking over yeah. for, for that. So. I mean,
2: even like if you look at Contiki, they do tours.
3: Yeah. I find, I
0: find, I find I mean, when I look at these sites, I find them complicated to navigate. They seem, they seem simple at first, but then you start getting into it, it gets more and more complex. It's like, ah, oh, sometimes I just want to give up and say, oh, I'm going to go talk to a person and just say, yeah, I want to go there. Come, give me a price. I want to go there. That's it. Yeah. That's all I want to. Yeah. You take care of the details. I just want tell me how much it is, and I just want to go there.
3: <laughs> yeah. But I think maybe what's going to happen is you're not going to use a travel agent. You're going to call your your, your sister in law Susan because she really knows how to do these things. Yeah. So instead of paying a travel agent, you know, it's Harold or Susan or whoever. You're going to babysit for good. a weekend. Yeah. But exactly. a,
0: but at the same time, I think a lot of people when they go on vacation, especially uh, when they travel abroad, they like to go to an all inclusive. They like they, you know they, yeah. they want everything taken care of. So if you want everything taken care of. Why would you start doing it all yourself on on a, on a site. You're not going to get the old inclusive of that, right? You, you, you're going to miss something. I don't know. It's my thought.
3: Yeah, well, we're talking, you know, nine, eight, nine years of, in the future, five, six, seven years in the future, and the the the, the, uh, the software, the computers, and so forth is going to evolve and make it yeah. mm-hmm. maybe a little easier. I mean,
0: I'd be, I'd be curious to see how many travel points you have yeah. with all your international yeah. assassin things, so yeah. God knows you probably have, like, air mouse out the wazoo
3: so that's that's this list any job that you can see that's that isn't on the list that you can think of that might be uh, involved well, disappearing
0: that's, that's interesting um, i i see a lot of these jobs that are on the list that are, 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 are a lot on the service side of things yeah which i find uh, find is interesting um i think i think i think a lot of manufacturing jobs are going to disappear mm. as automation yeah. Yeah. and robots are coming in more and yeah more. uh you know it's going kind to of be even even if you go really really cheap labor overseas on these sweatshops sweatshop you know it's still it's a human there's still, still at some point they have to stop you know and, and, sleep, eat and sleep eat a robot doesn't have to do that a people
2: get just, sick just keep. need to take days there's
0: off a, there's always an initial cost up front for the robot to come in but once it's there it pays off for itself fairly quickly so I'm surprised there was not more manufacturing jobs on your Mm -hmm. your list but anyway good list good list thank you Nancy that was great yep my dear Kirsten you got some good entertaining stories for us
2: well I wouldn't use the word good in (laughs) the sense
0: um, it's another brilliant moment brought to you by religion
2: but okay so police freed 14 local indigenous people from a ranch in a remote part of Bocas del Toro, Panama, oh. where they were being held prisoner by an evangelical Christian sect that wanted to force them, by any means necessary, to repent for their sins. <coughs>
0: mm. How do you force them to repent for their sins? So you you, you locking them up to, until they say, I'm sorry?
3: Not even I'm sorry. you're Canadian.
0: (laughs) But it's not even saying I'm sorry to you. I have to say I'm sorry to your imaginary friend. That's really how simple, how stupid it is.
2: I wish it was that nice.
3: Uh Uh-oh.
2: The police became involved after three prisoners managed to escape. They alerted authorities to the ongoing situation after reaching a nearby hospital. Now... A raid on the facility, which belonged to the local New Light of God church, revealed a ghastly scene. Uh
3: Uh-oh, don't go into the ghastlies. Please don't go into the ghastlies. She has to. No, she doesn't. (laughs) Plug your ears, Nancy.
2: (laughs) Survivors, including two pregnant women and some children, had been bound and tortured, beaten with Bibles and wooden cudgels cut with machetes, and burned in an attempt at exorcism and conversion that had lasted nearly a week at the time of the police raid.
0: Nothing says love by beating you up on a Bible. Oh, my
2: God. (laughs) Seven more people did not survive the ordeal. Five of them were children. Uh, Their pregnant mother was also killed. Uh, The remaining murder victim was a 17-year-old neighbor. Uh, Their corpses were found in a freshly dug grave not far from the ranch.
0: I mean, okay. Now, I don't know about you, but let's say, for example, what is it these people really need to say to get out of this? You know, so... So we're beating you up until you repent. Okay, well, you know what? If I'm in that situation... I'm, I'm fucking repenting. I'm telling I'm like, you whatever you want to hear for you to stop, it's not going to change my mind. I'm not going to become
2: Christian all of a sudden. But I'm going to act like Jesus is
0: exactly. secondhand man. Exactly. I'm just going, oh, yes, I love Jeebus. I love Jeebus Until you turn your back and I can run out the door. You know? Um, but, I mean, what, what, is it was, what is it these Christians were actually
2: hoping to achieve with this? Well, this kind of, it kind of they gets worse. They
3: wanted an excuse to be able to eliminate people that they they figured are um, um, heretics off the face of the earth. I think you're right
0: there. I also think there might also be a mixture of the same kind of mentality he had during like the Salem witch trials. We can beat you up, we can kill you, body as long as we save your soul. Your body's nothing when we save your soul. And when you have that stupid mentality in your mind, you're willing to do atrocities. Really atrocities.
2: Yeah. One of the ten men arrested in the killings was the murdered children's grandfather. So it's not even they were getting complete strangers. They were family. This
0: is where where I hope there is a hell. Because there's a special place in hell for a guy like that. God damn it. Uh,
2: Apparently, local prosecutor Raphael... Biola said that murder was on the agenda for the remaining prisoners, too, if they failed to convince the church of their repentance.
0: Okay, how do you do that? How do you convince the church of their repentance? That's that's what I'm wondering.
2: This is like, so they don't know what they were going for here. Hmm. They were performing a ritual inside the structure. Uh, In that ritual, people were being held against their will, being mistreated all of these rights were aimed at killing them if they do- did not repent their sins. One of the leaders said God had given him a message. There it is right there. Uh, the message apparently boiled down to making everyone repent or die. Mm. So I think it is, like, the, tri- like the trials. Like...
3: Yeah. If
0: you
2: drown, you're not a witch.
3: Yeah. yeah it's, uh, but I you're
2: mean, dead anyways. During the
0: same them. the Spanish Inquisition, the, the, the witch the trial. makes the Inquisition look
3: like a party, yeah.
0: doesn't I mean, some people, oh, there's apparently some records of some people being accused of being Jewish simply for refusing to eat pork one night because they didn't like the taste of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, are <laughs> you kidding me? You don't like the taste of that pork one night, and all of a sudden you think, oh, he must be a Jew. You're accused of Judaism. Oh, well, let's kill this person. How, how do you torture a person to tell him, you know, yes, you're a Jew. No, I'm a Christian. Oh, well, yeah, we're not convinced. We keep torturing you. And this is exactly the same kind of stupidity we have here. Oh, you, you need to repent. I repent. Well, we're not convinced. Keep torturing him.
2: or her. Yeah, there is a well-established local church with a similar name. Uh, currently appears to have no ties to the group. So it seems like this is kind of a little little wacko sect of their set of themselves. They're
0: all a little wacko.
2: Well, yeah, but this is a little extra, extra <sighs> wacko. Yeah, yeah, extra wacko on the side. Uh, the ten men who rounded up families to convert, and the twenty-four people they tortured, are all part of Panama's largest indigenous community, the Nacabe Bugle, which I probably completely butchered, much like Kevin often does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, a, semi, a semi-autonomous region heavily affected by poverty. The area is so remote; injured parties had to be airlifted to hospital by helicopter.
0: Hundred bucks says this is just uh, this is just about
2: racism towards the indigenous people. Hundred bucks says that it was oh. the indigenous people that did it. What? The, indi- the men that rounded up the families and the people they tortured were all part of this community. Oh, they were all indigenous. They were all part of the community. Oh, I take that back. I just lost a hundred bucks. Mm. Pay up. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Wow. But yeah, no.
0: Well, you know, it shows that even in, indigenous people can fall to the stupidity of religion. My God. Yeah.
2: Ugh. It's like all of that
0: I, in I, a week. I dream of a world free of religion, but Christianity as well. Christianity is The Abrahamic. I dream of a world free of the Abrahamic religions. Ugh. Oh, how much of a better world this would be. I don't mm. care what you say. Yeah. There's no way, there's no way, even with the so-called all good they do in charity work, you cannot atone for all the misery this, of my French, fucking faith has done.
2: Yeah, and I mean, like, looking at this, this wasn't going on for a month. According to this, it lasted, like, a week by oh. the time the police got there. Oh. A week.
0: Oh. Imagine if it had gone a year. Now, imagine how much misery they would have caused in a year. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, all right. Well, Thank you for bringing us down.
2: <laughs> I know. Let's let's do something to bring us up now.
0: Okay. Oh, thank goodness.
3: Can I put my headphones back on? Yes, now? you
2: can. That was that was it.
0: You have a you have a no story? No. That's no, it. no. No. That was it. Okay. Well, let's do something a bit more uplifting. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll be talking to Janice Selby of Court Twenty Twenty. So stay with us. Hi, I'm God. And I just want to make sure to tell you not to listen to Unapologetics on Stitcher and SoundCloud. That's Unapologetics with an X at the end. But, uh, yeah, definitely do not listen to the show. I mean, I swear to me, I I will murder my son. Uh, Well, I mean, I kind of already did that, but uh, just don't listen to the show, okay? Hey, Lucy.
2: Can you not, can you not call me that, okay? We already went over what my name is, okay? It's Lucifer. All
0: right, look, Lewis, Uh you wanna come with me? I'm gonna go fuck with this guy, Joe.
2: No, don't, don't do that, okay? Can you just leave him alone?
0: I'm gonna kill his family. No, don't, don't do that. I'm gonna give him sores all over his body. Don't, don't, don't do that. That's disgusting. I'm gonna kill all of his livestock. stop, stop saying things. Just stop. I'm gonna blame the whole thing on you. (laughs) Uh, Alright, let's go, bud. Remember, don't listen to unapologetics on Stitcher and Zalclaw. Hey, definitely listen to that show. It's awesome.
2: It's really cool. He's really a dick. I heard that. If your skepticism is socially conscious and doesn't take itself too seriously, you might like life, the universe, and everything else.
4: Great comfort. His big stumper was literally which came
2: first the chicken or the egg? A lot of the interviews took place in front of a building that said liberal arts. <laughs> I'm guessing that they're not all science majors. <laughs> Life, the Universe, and everything else. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere else. I don't know, Zoom? Is that still a thing?
0: And there hasn't yet been a properly written apology for that disgrace. Staying in Africa, I think it will one day be admitted with shame that it might have been in error to say that AIDS is bad as a disease, very bad, but not quite as bad as condoms are bad, or not as immoral in the same way. Selby, she's a registered counselor, so she's qualified to help help us for sure. <laughs> and she did the divorcing religion workshop, and she's also the executive director of Court Twenty Twenty. She's a snappy dresser and a snazzy dancer. Janice, thank you so much for joining us at Lefton Valley.
4: Wow, that's quite
0: an intro. Thanks. No, everybody on this show on this show gets a, that kind of introduction.
2: You know, someday we're gonna need the story behind the.
0: Snappy dancers. Snap. Yeah. No, I don't even know why I started that. I've just been doing that for five years now. I don't even know why.
4: So, and just when I was feeling special. Well, don't worry. You are special.
0: You are special, and trust me, you probably dance way better than I do. <laughs> so, Janice, we have this uh, this religious uh, this religion. This yeah. uh, this uh, conference coming in in April here in Vancouver called Court yes. 2020. Uh, mm-hmm. We already did a show with Dr. Del Rey and um, what was the name of the other doctor? Well, I, guess I just had a brain fart. Dr. Oh.
4: Winnell. Yes, thank yes. you.
0: Dr. Winnell. And she, they were absolutely fantastic. But you yes. are the executive director. But maybe for our audience that may not know you and your previous work, maybe you'll be so kind to give us a quick bio.
4: Sure. Uh, So in case they don't know, uh, Court 2020 is the conference on religious trauma. Mm -hmm. And I am a registered counselor. But before I became a counselor, I spent over 40 years as an evangelical fundamentalist. And I was married to a pastor. And so I... Homeschooled my daughters, and I wore a head covering, and no TV, no makeup, only you know long skirts and dresses, and um, so it's been quite a journey.
0: Yeah, I can <laughs> I can absolutely imagine. I mean, did you yourself did you, were you brought up religious as well?
4: Oh yes, yes, I was raised uh, in a pretty much Pentecostal flavored home, and my parents were conservative but they weren't as conservative as I became I became uber really uh, fell in with conservative Mennonites and I eventually started referring to myself as mentecostal uh, <laughs> because I really still enjoyed the I really enjoyed the lively worship of the Pentecostal uh, groups but I felt called to a greater sense of purity and being called apart and set apart which I I thought uh, the closed Mennonite groups really embodied that, um so I went down that rabbit hole fairly deeply for a number of years and I, made my circle smaller and smaller. You would fit
0: just perfectly here in Abbasford because Abbotsford is ruled by Mennonites, so uh-huh. um, yeah. uh, the, and and mm. you know, they seem to have some kind of war going on something with sometimes with the Pentecostal and the 7th day Adventists. I don't know what it is about these two groups, but anyway yeah. <laughs> so my group
4: is holier than your group oh, <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely,
0: absolutely. And now, now you're talking to the show from the spawns of hell. Yay! <laughs> so not only did you, are you doing this this uh, thing on religious trauma, this conference on religious trauma, but you're also, I think, very well placed from a personal standpoint to actually talk about this. Yeah.
4: I I feel that I am. I have a true interest in religious trauma. And in fact, when I lost my faith, or some people call it deconversion or religious deconstruction, I didn't know anybody else who was in my situation. I didn't know anyone who had been as devoted um, as I was to scripture and following scripture, and then uh, suddenly didn't have that belief system. And my whole identity was enmeshed with my religious beliefs. So I really had to start over again.
3: I can I can only not knowing your your background, Janice, I can only imagine how lost and how confused and how difficult a period of time that was. You must be one extremely strong individual to have gone through that that period um, and and survived and then triumphed as, as well as you have.
4: Thank you for for saying that. It definitely was a confusing time and uh, a lonely time and sometimes it was terrifying as well as I really had to grapple with uh, thoughts related to the afterlife and hell. Mm -hmm. Um, That was scary and I came to a point where I I thought that I could put my own uh, eternal life on the line. I was willing to take that risk but the thought of uh, my beliefs causing my children to roast in an everlasting hell—that was a lot harder to get over. Now, of course, I don't believe that there is any such thing as hell, other than the hell that exists on this earth for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, is—is <laughs> uh, is there some some remnants of? I mean, sometimes when people deconvert, they have a t- uh, hard time getting over some aspects of their faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there still something, mm-hmm. some lingering ghost, for for lack of a better term, when it comes to uh, your your deconversion as well?
4: Mm. Yeah, hell is probably the most common one that a very um, common one. people have a hard time getting. Uh, getting over, and for myself, I didn't just go from having all these supernatural beliefs to having none, I kind of, a lot of people go into a more, what they call a more progressive, from fundamentalism to a more progressive version of Christianity, I didn't do that, I, I just, I went from a fundamentalism right into the new age movement, and then I, I sat in that camp for a few years, grew my dreadlocks, got my tattoos, had my <laughs> crystals, you know, all this kind of stuff. Deep into meditation, and uh, and then after a few years, I discovered I didn't need any of that either. I'm just capable of living a joyful and meaningful life without any uh, thoughts of an afterlife or any superstitious beliefs at all. Uh,
0: if you don't mind me asking, what what was that? Uh, if you, if you're free to, to reveal, so you don't have to, it's a, it's a very personal journey, obviously. But what was that that moment that made you decide to say, you know what? Well, no, I'm an atheist.
4: That, yeah, I would say that was years in coming it even it took me a number of years, even before I could say that I was not a Christian mm-hmm. because to renounce your faith in Jesus according to the Bible is a dangerous thing to do mm-hmm. um so I would say it probably took me a good five or six years getting to the point where i could say you know quite happily that i'm uh, an atheist or agnostic atheist i really don't believe uh that there's anything else out there mm-hmm. uh, but i can't you know i can't prove it so that's fine but i just i no longer live like i'm controlled in that way by an outside force
0: Well, that's good. uh, We're we're glad to hear that. And now you're putting on a conference on religious trauma. So what was the genesis of that? What prompted you to actually put that kind of conference on? Because, first of all, kudos for you for doing so. I think it's a topic that needs way more exposure. So Mm. we're really supportive and really glad you're doing it. But what prompted you to do it?
4: Well, when I first became a registered counsellor, uh, I didn't have an area of specialty, uh, so I just saw I did. I worked with uh, couples clients, and I worked with singles people who were just interested in uh, dealing with some of their issues. But I noticed that a lot of the clients who came to me came out of a Jehovah's Witness background, and I felt like we had some similarities. Our backgrounds were similar but different, but the pain was, uh, you know, quite the same. And then I, as I said, I didn't know anyone else who had um, deconstructed their faith when I was, and then eventually I found Dr. Marlene Winnell's work online, and of course she wrote this wonderful book called Leaving the Fold. And then I um, started talking to Marlene and went to one of her retreats. And it was so transformative for me to meet people, physically be with people in the company of people who had also left their fundamentalist backgrounds, whether they were Mormons, JWs, Muslims, whatever it was, Their, their lives were profoundly changed by what they had been through and what they left behind as mine was. And the more I thought about that, Uh, the more I thought we need to bring this discourse into the public realm. And particularly with everything going on in the United States right now and around the world, globally with our politics, um, a lot of people are becoming nuns. And you know what I mean, I divorced religion, became a nun. I left it all and I'm N-O-N-E, I don't have a religious affiliation Mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. And so when I see the, the rise of this group calling themselves the nuns with no religious affiliation, I know that there's a hole there. If they had this huge set of beliefs and then they no longer have them, they are trying to reconstruct and build their new reality and their lives. And there's trauma that has occurred. And that's what I want to address as a therapist and that's what I want the conference to address.
0: That's very interesting that you see you you describe that as having a hole because I've always thought of it as excess baggage. You know, I've always thought as religion as a bit that like anchor that you <clears throat> pull behind you, just just slowing you down. And eventually, when you just let go of the chain, you know, I don't I don't see it as a whole. I see that you you a release. But you as a counselor, you have seen this as as a whole that you think people will need some counseling to get filled. Am I am I am I describing this correctly? Here?
4: That's certainly. I don't think you're wrong in your description. And some people definitely find the transition easier than others do. Mm -hmm. Uh, For myself, um, as I mentioned, I was having to rebuild completely from the ground up. It was the complete dissolution of of all my beliefs. Everything that made the world make sense to me, the order that I had, the security that I felt, was gone. And this is actually similar to people who have their lives shattered by other losses. So maybe their partner or their child dies, or they go through a divorce. Mm -hmm. And that's actually why I developed the Divorcing Religion Workshop, because I see the loss of uh, faith on the same level as losing your marriage. And I was married for 20 years. Uh, and the pain when I lost my faith was that significant.
0: No, it makes total sense because, mm-hmm. like you said, you, you came from a very, uh, a background that was very, very religious. Mine was not, mm-hmm. a, I, I was raised Catholic. So mm-hmm. I guess I did not have, have as much investment in the faith as you did. And of course, for you, it feels like a loss. For me, it feels more like a release. So yes. I, that makes perfect sense to me at this point.
2: I think it's mm-hmm. that adjustment period is different for everybody. Yeah, absolutely,
0: absolutely, absolutely. No, that mm-hmm. makes that makes total sense. No, no, court twenty twenty is 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 happening, and uh, we wish you all the best. And we'll certainly we'll try our very best to attend as well, and try to bring you some, some people. Nancy's uh, oiling her guns to make sure that uh, she can <laughs> round up a few people to, for the conference. Uh, <laughs> is is court just going to be a one time thing? When you plan on taking the show on the road? bring into the States, et cetera, et cetera?
4: My hope is that it will be so successful and there will be such a demand and interest in it that it will become an annual event. So I'm holding it on the West Coast this year. I'd love to do it on the East Coast next year. I might be in Toronto at that time. And if I am, I will probably hold it there. Uh, I have had interest from people in other countries uh, looking for... um, such a conference to be held in their country and indeed it's an international conference we have people who purchase tickets from australia from belgium great britain all across canada and the united states there's a great interest
0: wow indeed
3: so janice for for people who are listening in for the first time and they have no idea what the conference is about or how it's organized would you give us kind of a a summary or um sure you know yeah great thanks
4: So it's the conference on religious trauma. And I have people uh, coming experts actually in the field of religious trauma. People like Dr. Marlene Winnell, Dr. Daryl Ray of Recovering from Religion, Dr. Valerie Tarrico, and I love Valerie's YouTube videos. She's so interesting. Um, Janet Heimlich, oh, and also Dr. Yanya Lawlich. And Dr. Lawlich, her interest actually is specifically in cults. Uh, and she was in a cult herself, and she's a professor um, emeritus in in, uh, California. She's just a fascinating person. I think the FBI actually has consulted with her on various cases. So I have those as keynotes, and then I have featured speakers coming in that your listeners might recognize. Um, Nathan Phelps, his Mm. father was Fred Phelps of Westboro Baptist. Yasmin Mohammed, who's an ex-Muslim and an activist. Uh, I, oh, and the author of the book Pure, uh, Linda K. Klein, and she's um, she's very important in helping people break free from the purity culture mm. which some of your listeners may be able to identify with. We just have such a fantastic group of people that, and there will be Speaking, and then there will also be workshops. And some of the workshops will be geared towards therapists, helping them, teaching them how to help people with religious trauma syndrome. And some of the workshops are more uh, of general interest for people who attend who are not therapists.
0: Wow, that sounds like it's going to be a great conference. And the, the dates
4: in April are? April twenty fourth to twenty sixth.
0: April twenty fourth to twenty sixth. So mark your calendar, people. This is a very good conference to attend.
3: And, and where do people find out more about it? So that if they they want to attend, if there's, a, is it limited at this point? Is it open to um, how many how many people entirely from from um, you know the outside? Can you accommodate? Right.
4: Yeah, we can. Uh, uh, this time around, we have a our venue can seat two hundred and twenty five people. And so uh, we've already sold quite a number of tickets. So if people are still wanting to come, they go to court2020.com. That's C-O-R-T, 2020.com. They can purchase tickets there. We have group rates and we are offering some student subsidies. And in fact, for listeners of your podcast, I will give you a code that they can type in and it will get, uh, give them $60 off each ticket.
0: Wow. Yeah. Look at that.
3: That's great. Yeah,
0: that'd be that'd be absolutely awesome. So you might not have to use your guns, Nancy.
3: Yeah. So if, if anybody is kind of asking themselves where is it because they didn't catch it, it's in Vancouver, BC, Canada.
0: That's correct. It sure is. That's correct. Has there been any? Uh, this this is of course a, a great topic, and I think it's a topic that's way overdue to be talked about. Mm-hmm. But let's face it: there's always the other side of the medal. Has there has there been any pushback from religious factions about the the idea of bringing this kind of conference?
4: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Pardon me. Yes, yes, there has, uh, and um, particularly, I notice it um, in the some of the advertising on social media when I've advertised, especially on Facebook. Um, there are a lot of people who remain entrenched in their religious beliefs, and you know what? If if you're happy in your faith, this conference is not for you. And I'm not for you as a counselor because my work is for people uh, who have lost their faith um, and are needing some help on the other side of that. And likewise with the conference. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's definitely uh, there's definitely blowback. and. Um, not everybody thinks the same way, and and not everybody has to.
0: Now, uh, sometimes we get a lot of blowback. Uh, in this show, we have a, a, a half our uh, well, half our audience is Canadian, half our audience is American. We right. see a, a lot of this kind of blowback in the states. Not so much here in Canada. Has that been the the kind of experience you've had too? Is it is it that blowback coming from locally, or is it coming from an international source?
4: Um, not so much, uh, Canadian. I, I just love being Canadian. I really find <laughs> on the whole, we're a fairly chill. <laughs> we are very chill, aren't we? We are <laughs> super really chill. Right? <clears throat> um, so quite a bit uh, from the United States, but also, um, from the United Kingdom and oh, often really? from an older demographic. Of course. And I absolutely understand it because it's a threat to their identity if they are identifying so closely with their Beliefs, and they're just not to a point where they're ready to uh, take a closer look. It's very threatening to them, and I get it because I've been there.
0: Isn't that probably the most, probably one of the most insidious things about religion? Is how it just wraps around culture, and then calls itself culture, yeah. and then people identify with the culture, and they mm-hmm. think it's a threat against them. Uh, as, a, as a counselor yourself, is this is this extremely common, or are you seeing people actually being able to make the difference between religion and culture in their background?
4: It often depends on um, their family of origin and how they were raised. So, if they were indoctrinated in childhood and grew up in a fundamentalist environment, um, it. It can really take a tragedy like it did for me to bring up to shake them free of their cognitive dissonance and actually give them a little bit of space to step outside their beliefs, and and take a take a better look.
0: So, so what, as a counselor, so when people, unfortunately, uh, I don't wish them a tragedy for them to be shaken out of their uh, their religious stupor there, but uh, the religious would always. always- Counter that with saying, well, you're just angry at God because you didn't Mm -hmm. get your way. You as a counselor, how do you react to that kind of proposition?
4: Um, Anger is a very legitimate part of grief. And a huge amount of the work that I do with clients in recovery from religious trauma syndrome is grief work. Essentially, all counseling really is grief work. You know, where there's been a, a transition that's occurred or that's going to occur or that we're going through. And a transition involves loss, involves loss and gain. Um, so, yeah, anger is legitimate.
0: Wow. So, so uh, Janice, when, when you look at, uh, um, like I said, kudos for doing the conference. And we're certainly going to do everything we can <laughs> here at our little podcast to help you guys be successful. Thank you. Um, Short of the violence, Nancy, okay? No, no violence. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but when you look at the future of what's happening in the States and what's happening in Canada, how positive are you about the general population being moving away from the, the nasty influence of religion?
4: Um, pretty positive because it really does tend to be... Um, A lot of an older demographic Mm -hmm. that is clinging quite tightly to their beliefs Um, and eventually that that demographic is going to um, pass on or pass away i think the the youth are more open um to science and of course the internet education is available everywhere around the world people are educating themselves now Cults and religious groups, they want to prevent you uh, from outside authority and outside education because it poses a great threat to them and their institution. Uh, But people are still curious and learning. And a lot of people in the United States are absolutely fed up with that person uh, in the White House there um, and him posing as a Christian. And they say, I don't want any of it. I'm leaving. Not going to have anything to do with this anymore.
0: It's kind of funny that he's posing as a Christian, although he's the fakest Christian of all. But in a way, he's also the most real Christian of all. Because all, all his shtick is about hypocrisy. It really is, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm.
4: It's, boost a very, it's a distressing time for Americans. My heart really goes out to them.
0: It does.
3: It does. Yeah, and it, it is, it's It's stressful because not only are they clinging on to religion, but they they're clinging on to the power of religion and their ability to make laws and legislation and eliminate laws and yeah. legislation that that interfere with their overall goal of a, having a theocracy. And religious people in a position of power that way are so dangerous. They are. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It'll, it'll, yes, it'll, and it is blowing
4: families apart. It's very, very hard. Um, and so if we look at... So my parents uh, became religious when they were in their 20s, almost in their 30s, and then they had children. So they raised us completely in religion. So my personality, my identity didn't have the opportunity to develop outside of the religious ideology that I was force fed. And so now I am to a point where I'm rejecting that. I don't want that. I've broken free from it. And it's very shocking and hard for my parents mm-hmm. to accept and understand because they chose religion.
1: Yeah,
4: It's their chosen prison, but it doesn't have to be mine. Well, I refuse to be in there anymore. And, and, and so that causes a lot of disharmony.
0: And they also feel that they, they, they try to do do their best for you. Yes. And in mm-hmm. a way, they feel that you're rejecting them, too. And this is another side effect, right? It's, uh, I, I My heart goes out to you, absolutely, because I've seen that happen in so many stories. Right. My goodness. Yeah.
4: And they I mean, good parents, their primary goal is to protect their children, to keep them safe. And if those parents absolutely believe in a literal hell and think that their children are going there, of course they're going to be... Devastated. And so that's something when I'm working with clients who are coming out, if you'll excuse the phrase, or we'll use it in this term, coming out to their parents as atheists or no longer believing, I really urge them to do it uh, with the gentleness and kindness and compassion that they can muster up because to their parents, it is not good news. No. Their child's liberation is the worst possible news that they could hear. And it takes us a while to adjust to change and to this new reality. So don't expect them to throw open their arms and hug you and say, this is the best news. We're so happy for you. Because to them, is, it's devastating news. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's, it's, it's so common, too. And, you know, I... <sighs> I don't know what to say. Some some people have, have told me some stories in confidence and I've said, you know what, maybe it's not a good time for you to reveal this at all. You know, mm-hmm. keep it on the wraps. Just play along with the game. Keep going to church with them. Just smile and nod and, you know, count the towels on the church ceiling if you have to in the meantime. But sometimes – It's people, very
4: individual. It it's is, very individual. It and sometimes there are – Greater consequences. I, I have pastors who come to me. I have people who are still in the pastorate, or people who've just recently left, or people who their livelihood and um, providing for their family is directly tied yes. to the church. So they they have a huge cost there, um, and so thing, you know it, navigation requires um, some caution there.
0: Yeah, I've seen that so many times, especially when you talk about the the clergy project. Uh, in in the States, Uh, pastors that have come out, they're they're no longer religious, but they've been doing this for Thirty years. It's not like they can start working as a carpenter tomorrow. See what I did there, carpenter. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that's all they know, right? That's all they know how to do. And all of a sudden, suddenly, like you can have like an abrupt career change into something else.
3: Oh yeah, and the fact that they've been making a living and supporting their family because it's the only thing they know, while being hypocritical and realizing that they're passing along religious beliefs that they know are—I are, don't want to say wrong, it but must... that, that don't exist. They it's, and to have to stand up in front of their congregation and lie—it must every tear them inside. It would,
0: it, it would it tear really, me up inside. Well, Janice,
3: be. working with people, you know, you see it firsthand. But even thinking about it is horrific.
4: Yeah, it's it's um, scary, and it yeah. can be devastating, and it can have devastating um, consequences. And and some people prefer not to rock the boat, and they're fine. They just keep going through the motions. Uh, attending services with their family well they don't really uh, believe it. But you know something that's interesting and quite exciting to me is the rise of uh, humanist Um, pastors and humanist chaplains in the universities and colleges uh, across North America. I think that's fantastic.
0: Yeah, there's actually, uh, there's a bit of a movement uh, even across this country to actually, uh, because in a lot of provinces, uh, humanism you cannot cannot be recognized as a humanist chaplain. Uh, Like in BC, it's not recognized yet. But I know there are some groups working towards that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of funny because uh, Kirsten and Christina, for example, for, for a little note, side note on the show, uh, they're getting married very soon. And mm-hmm. I actually uh, offered to uh, be the humanist settlement to actually do the, uh, the, the, the the ceremony. And then when I started looking into it, it's not recognized by the, the Canadian government here to be a humanist settlement. So I, I, I was wow. ready to go take the course and actually kind of have the papers to actually help them officiate their wedding. But mm-hmm. I, I, I just can't. Not in this province. So it's well, of- we
4: need to do something to change that. I totally agree.
0: I totally agree. So it's one of those things that you can to- totally help and try to convince the government.
3: I think BC Humanists have been working on they that for yes, have. quite have. a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: They have been working on that. So um, maybe in, uh, as a part and query there, uh, as a, uh, a counselor yourself, to the people listening out there, besides, of course, giving them the advice to come see them, Core 2020, of course, <laughs> <laughs> what, what would you tell these, these people out there that are in the beginning stage of uh, their apostasy? What would be a good piece of advice
4: from a counselor? Mm. Um, be compassionate with yourself. Change, change doesn't happen overnight. Mm. So, grief and growth both take time. Educate yourself. Uh, Continue learning about um, cults and about cultic thinking, about maybe why or how you were influenced to believe the things that you believed, and keep moving forward. There there are communities out there for you to join and be a part of. And why don't you take the uh, Divorcing Religion Online Workshop? There we go.
0: (laughs) Fantastic. Janice, thank you so much for telling us today about Court 2020 and Divorcing Religion workshop online there. But if people want to find out more about you and Court and all that, where can they go?
4: Uh, they can go to C-O-R-T 2020.com, court2020.com. Mm-hmm. They can go to divorcingreligion.com. Um, those are the best places. They can, oh, on Twitter, they can find me. I'm at Divorce Religion, and I'm also at Wise underscore counselor, and of course counselor has two L's the Canadian way those are all ways to follow me or queen's get in touch with me what's that
0: the proper queen's English <laughs> yes him him <laughs> Janice thank you so much for being on the show today but I can't let you go before I have you say hi this is Janice Selby of Court 2020 and we oh sorry we <laughs> I took a left in the valley
4: tell me when now oh sure Hi, this is Janice Selby of Court 2020, and I took a left at the valley.
0: Fantastic! And that was Janice Selby of Court 2020. She she's is so bubbly. Yeah. awesome. I love her. Yeah, she's great. I you love it. She's got energy coming out of the walls. You that woman? You My know. God! Uh, and you know she's doing such great work. And I think this this conference, I hope it's going to be a great success. And I hope it's the first of. Many, oh, many, yeah. many, and mm-hmm. I hope it spreads like wildfire uh, because they have such great speakers. Mm-hmm. You know, just just Dr. Wainel, Dr. Ray that we that we love, uh, we spoke to already, and all these other people uh, like uh, Valeria uh, uh, Tarico. Uh, T- I would love to have her on the show. Uh, I would love, to, so I have to talk to her and see if she can send her our way and all that. So uh, that'll be great. So we'll certainly keep a close eye on that. And I want to be there in person to meet these people as well uh, in April. So uh, if you happen to be in the area and you happen to be able to go to that conference, you can talk to the Left of the Valley crew. Hey, that'd be fun. And on top of that, if you are our listeners and you want to attend the conference, give me a message, send me a message, and we'll give you a discount. And it's $60 off the ticket. Yeah. Just for being a listener of Left of the Valley.
2: Yeah. I mean that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool.
0: Take that, Amy, from Secular Soup. (laughs) What kind of discount do you have? You ain't got nothing. (laughs) Ha ha! No so for you (laughs) Oh, perfect. Anything else we need to add for now? No? We're all good?
3: I think we're good. I think I we're think good. We're, we're better than good. I we're think, fantastic. I think we're doing pretty good. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, uh, ladies. And thank you to Janice Selby for being our guest. And thank you for listening. You can follow us at com. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, at LETV Podcast. Send us a, a, an email at, at com. And do that. You an email or send a message through Facebook or something. Find a way to communicate with us to get that discount for the conference. Give us a five-star review wherever you find us. It helps us and helps others find the show and you can also become a patron if you go to patreon slash latv am i missing anything Send you complaints place say, Nancy, on the first floor now, and beware an incoming knife. All right.
3: It's a, it's a lot easier. I'd have to climb all those steps.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you can't throw them from the balcony. Right?
3: Uh, well, I'll find a way. <laughs> I'll find a
0: way. <laughs> all right, coming up. <laughs> so next week, we'll be talking to uh, Jason Hanifield. Oh, not this. Jason Hanifield, where are you? There you go, from Sensibly Speaking. And after that, we have... Dave Warnock Dave Warnock suffers from ALS and he's been making the tours and he's gonna be talking to us about death and how he faces death as an atheist
2: that should be a really good show and we'll also
0: have Chris Sheldon we'll be talking about Scientology and we'll have more shows that I'm working on anyway Mm. for now that's what I'm leaving you with Perfect. Anything else we need to say, ladies? No, I just hope the sun comes
2: out next week. The snow's finally gone. That'd be great. Anyway, until next time.
0: I'm
4: in my jammies, okay? That's the truth of it. Well,
0: that's pretty cool. We're naked. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
2: now I wish I was there. Darn it. We always (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think that is the first time we've gotten that response. Yes, I agree. In my body, you can bet your last dollar I'll be working hard fighting this problem. Religion is a disease. It comes from culture. Only true on a regional scale. Science is universal. You can say that or isn't real, but Jesus is. Or Zeus, or a mitra, Vishnu. you don't believe in them. I think the reason is apparent. You do what you told and believe in the goddesses your parents,
1: I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, then I call it how I see it, I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims, that's something to be ashamed I'm an atheist, 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 I'm
2: We take a second on me, it sounds so hateful But I swear to God, unintended, I find it disgraceful The thousands of children are raped by priests And since the holy men of God, they get away scot-free And the Pope does his very best to keep it on the hush Don't want to affect business, he loves money too much We know that they love the kids, but how the fuck can we protect them? While they plan to molest them, we're teaching them to respect them Respect them Fuck that. The system is broken down, working backwards, and the only action or tactic I plan to practice now is to attack them. Oh, the parties of God's hands are bloodstained, millions of murders by believers, and they're all in God's name. And let me take a second, don't mean it sounds so hateful, but I swear to God, one intended, I find it disgraceful that many atheists are told to be quiet. You're not alone, speaking my time to let it be known.
1: Atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it, I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims, that's something to be ashamed, I'm an atheist, atheist, atheist.